This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Today I have for you the prophetic visions of St. John Bosco. Here he had an encounter with a former student of his who had since gone on to his particular judgment, St. Dominic Savio. And in this vision he has shown the consequences of sin. He's shown the future of his order to a degree, but he's shown the consequences of sin. What they really are, and I don't mean Gehenna, I mean what sin does to our spiritual life and really how even the best appearing among us can actually be some of the worst offenders. It's something to think about, especially when we talk about you know public Catholics and people who tend to think that, you know, the people that they like in the public eye are, you know, saintly figures. We should be praying for one another at all times, keeping everybody in our prayers. And so for those of you who have told me that they keep me in your prayers, I greatly appreciate it because I know I need them. But I want you to really think about this, what St. John Bosco describes for us here in this great vision of his. On the night of December 6th, I dreamed as follows. It seemed to me that I was standing on a hill, looking down on an immense plain that stretched away into the invisible distance. It was as blue as the sea in perfect calm, but what I was looking at was not water. It seemed like crystal, unblemished and sparkling. Long and broad avenues divided the plain up into large gardens of indescribable beauty, in which there were lawns, groves of ornamental trees, flowering shrubs and flower beds, with an amazing variety of ornamental flowers. What you have seen in gardens can give you little idea of how beautiful all this was. There were trees whose leaves seemed to be of gold, the branches and trunks of precious stones. Scattered here and there in the gardens were buildings whose appearance and magnificence rivaled the setting in which they stood. I could not estimate what immense sums of money even one of these would have cost to build. The thought ran through my head, if I could build any one of these buildings for my boys, how happy they would be. As I stood there wrapped in wonder, the sound of sweet and entrancing music filled the air. All possible instruments seemed to be combining in wonderful harmony, and together with them, choirs of singers. I then saw great numbers of people in the garden, some walking, some sitting, all radiantly happy. Some were singing, some playing instruments, and it was obvious that they derived equal pleasure from hearing the others as they did from the music they were making themselves. They were singing in Latin these words, all honor and glory to God, the Almighty Father, Creator of the ages, who was, who is, and who will come to judge the living and the dead through all ages. There now suddenly appeared a great army of boys. Many of them I knew, boys who had been with me at the oratory or in one of our schools, but the majority I did not know. This endless line began moving towards me, as its, at its head was Dominic Savio, after him several priests and many other priests and brothers, each at the head of a group of boys. I did not know whether I was awake or dreaming. I clapped my hands together and felt my arms and chest in the endeavor to see how real was what I was seeing. An intense, brilliant light now shone all around. All the boys were radiant with happiness. It shone from their eyes, and their faces had a look of ineffable peace and contentment. They smiled at me, and they looked as though they were going to say something, but no word was uttered. Dominic now wa walked forward on his own until he stood close behind me. He stood there silently for a moment, smiling and looked at me. 
he how wonderful he looked how exquisitely he was clothed the white tunic which reached to his feet was interwoven with golden threads and sparkling jewels around his waist he had a broad red sash also interwoven with precious stones of every color which sparkled and glittered in a thousand lights around his neck there was a necklace of wild flowers but the flowers were made of precious stones and the light they reflected lit up further still the beauty and dignity of dominic's face his hair which was crowned with roses hung down to his shoulders and completed the quite indescribable effect of his total appearance the others were dressed in a varying degrees of splendor all of which had their own symbolic meaning you would not understand one thing they all had in common was the broad red sash around their waists i thought to myself what does all this mean where on earth am i and i stood there silently not daring to say a word dominic then spoke why are you standing there as though you were dumb are you not the only are you not the one i knew who was always so fearless able to sustain persecutions calumnies and dangers of every kind have you lost your courage why do you speak not speak half stammering i replied i don't know what to say are you really dominic savio yes indeed don't you recognize me how is it that you are here i have come to talk with you dominic replied affectionately we spoke together so often when i was alive you were always so kind and generous to me and i responded to your love with my complete confidence and affection ask me anything you wish where am i i asked you are in a place of happiness he replied where all that is beautiful can be enjoyed. Is this heaven, then? No, whatever is here is of the earth, although improved beyond conception by the power of God. No living person can ever see or imagine the wonders of eternity. Would it be possible to have natural light more brilliant than this? Yes, quite possible. Look there in the distance. I looked, and a ray of light suddenly appeared, so penetrating and of such brilliance that I had to close my eyes, and I cried out in alarm so loudly that I woke the priest who was sleeping in the room nearby. I opened my eyes after a moment and said, But that is surely a ray of the divine light. No, even that does not give you any idea. In heaven we enjoy God, and that is in everything. I had by now recovered from my initial amazement, and was looking at Dominic as he stood before me. I said, Why are you wearing that dazzling white tunic? Dominic did not answer, but the choir of voices, beautifully sustained by the many instruments, sang in Latin. They had their loins girt and have washed their tunics in the blood of the Lamb. What does the red sash you wear mean? I then asked. Again, Dominic did not reply, and a solo voice sang the words, They are virgins, and they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. I then realized that the blood-red sash was a symbol of the great efforts and sacrifices made, the quasi-martyrdom suffered, to live a completely pure life. It symbolized also the spirit of penance, which cleanses the soul of its faults. The dazzling white of the tunic represented a life from baptism to death without any serious rejection of God. My eyes were drawn to the serried ranks of boys behind Dominic, and I asked him, Who are these boys, and why are they all so radiant and resplendent? The answer came from the boys themselves, who began to sing in wonderful harmony, These are like the angels of God in heaven. Dominic, although the youngest, was obviously the leader, standing out well ahead of them i therefore asked him why is it that you take precedence over the others i am the oldest but you are not i replied there are many here much older than you i am god's ambassador the meaning of what it was all about suddenly dawned on me and i hastened to say let us talk about what concerns me and my work perhaps you have something important to tell me speak to me of the past 
present and future of our work and of my dear sons. With regard to your past, your congregation has clearly done much good. Look over there at the great gathering of boys. I looked and said to him, How many they are and how happy. Look at what is written on the entrance to that garden, said Dominic. I looked and saw written, Cilician Garden. All those that are Cilicians are those who have been educated by you and your sons, or who in the, some way or other have been sent on the way to God and their salvation made really possible. Count them if you can, but they would be many, many more still, if only you had greater faith and confidence in God. I heaved a great sigh on hearing this admonition, and determined to set no limit to my trust in God for the future. Dominic then held before me a magnificent bunch of flowers. They were roses, violets, sunflowers, lilies, sprigs of evergreen, and, most unusual for a bouquet, ears of wheat. He offered it to me and said, Look. I am looking, I replied, but I don't understand a thing. Make sure that all your boys have it, and that they defend it fearlessly against anyone who would try to take it from them. With these flowers secure in their possession, they can never fail to be happy. I still don't understand. Please explain. These flowers represent the virtues and qualities which your boys need in order to be able to live for God instead of for themselves. The rose is the symbol of love, the violet of humility, the sunflower of obedience, the gentian of penance and self-discipline, the ears of corn of frequent communion, the lily of purity, the sprigs of evergreen of constancy and perseverance. No one was adorned with these flowers better than yourself, I said to him. Tell me, what was your greatest consolation when you came to die? What do you think, he answered. I had several attempts at trying to say what I thought it might be, such as having lived such a pure life, having heaped up so much treasure in heaven by all his good works and so on, but to all he shook his head with a smile. Tell me then, I said, quite crestfallen at my failure. What was it? What helped me most and gave me greatest joy when I was dying, replied Dominic, was the loving care and help of the great mother of God. Tell your sons not to fail to keep close to her while they were alive, but hurry, the time is almost up. What about the future? I asked. In this coming year you will have great sorrows to bear. Altogether eight of your sons will die. But be of good heart, they will leave this life for heaven. God is always with you and will give you other sons equally worthy. What about the Cilician congregation? God has great things in store for it. This coming year something will begin which will stretch out to the whole world from north to south, from east to west. This is only one of many great developments of the future. However, this can only be so on condition that your sons keep to God's way and plan and not their own. If your priests can be faithful to the mission and way of life God has shown you, the future of the Cilician congregation will be an extraordinary one, and there will be no counting the number of those brought to God through it. There is one further very important condition. However, and that is that you all remain ever close to the great mother of God and ever proclaim fearlessly by your example the dignity of a pure and chaste life which is so pleasing to God. What about the church in general? I then asked. What is in store for the church God alone knows? These are things he reserves to himself and they cannot be communicated beforehand to any created being. And Pius IX? I asked. This much I can say. He will not have to endure on earth much longer. God will reward him for his faithful service. The church will not be submerged by present difficulties. What about myself? I asked. You have many sorrows and difficulties ahead of you yet, but hurry as my time is almost up. I stretched out my hands to detain him if I could, but they grasped only the air. Dominic smiled and said, What are you trying to do? I don't want to let you go, I said. 
But are you bodily here? Are you really my son Dominic? This is how things are. If in God's providence someone who is dead has to appear to someone still alive, he is seen in his normal bodily appearance and distinguishing characteristics. He cannot, however, be bodily touched, since he is a pure spirit. He retains this bodily appearance until he is reunited with his body at the resurrection. One last thing, I now said. Are all my boys living as children of God? Tell me something that will make it possible for me to help them more. You can divide your boys into three groups, Dominic replied, and these three sheets of paper indicate how. He handed me the first one. On it was written, in large characters, Unconquered. This sheet contained the names of those who had never been overcome by evil. They were very numerous. I saw them all before me. Many of them I knew. Many I saw for the first time. I saw how they lived their lives for God fearlessly and unflinchingly, in spite of the enormous difficulties and dangers they encountered. It was as though they were traveling along a road and were being continually ambushed. They were greatly hindered and, and tormented by the barrage, but never brought down or wounded. Dominic then gave me the second sheet, on which was written, in large characters, Casualties. On this sheet were the names of those who had seriously offended God, been badly wounded on the journey, but had regained their balance and healed their wounds with a good confession and communion, and were trying to press on again, although some showed signs of being discouraged by their experience. They were more in number than on the first sheet. I saw them all, and once again recognized many of them. I held out my hand for the third sheet on which I could see written the words, Overcome by Evil. On the sheet were the names of those who had rejected God by serious sins and were continuing to do so, content to remain deprived of his friendship. I was very anxious to know who they might be and attempted to take the sheet from Dominic. Wait a moment, he said to me earnestly. When you open this sheet, a terrible stench will be given off, which neither you nor I could possibly bear. It is likewise intolerable to the angels of God and God himself. How can this be, I said, the angels and God being pure spirits? It means this, he replied, that just as you seek to put the greatest distance possible between yourself and what nauseates you, so those who reject God by serious sin are separated from him more and more. He then gave me the sheet, saying, Look at it and try to make good use of it for your sons. Never forget the bunch of flowers and try hard to make sure that all have won and never let it go. So saying, he receded from me into the others who were, un who were grouped behind him. I unfolded the sheet, and I did not see any names, but in a flash I saw before me all those whose names were written. I looked at them with a heavy heart. The majority of them I knew. They belonged to the oratory or other of our schools. Many of them were normally regarded as good boys, and some even as being among the best. Such they were far from being. When the paper was unfolded, there arose from it such a horrible stench that I was completely overcome. My head throbbed agonizingly, and I began to vomit so violently that I thought I must die. Everything became dark, and the vision was no more. A piercing flash of lightning tore across the sky, and as its frightening crash of thunder reverberated in my ear, I awoke trembling with fear. The stench was still present in my room, clinging to the walls and furniture, and remaining there for several days. Thus repugnant to God is the very name of those who reject him and surrender themselves to the horrors of self-indulgence. Whenever the memory of that stench comes back to me, I am seized anew with pain and nausea, and I can with difficulty prevent myself from vomiting. I have spoken with some of the boys whose names I saw were written on the list, and I know for certain that what I saw in the dream is only too true. And that is the vision of St. John Bosco, of the consequences of sin. Not just in an eternal sense, but on what it does to our relationship to God. What sort of effect it has on us spiritually, on our souls. 
the stench of a sort of spiritual decay and spiritual rot. Something to consider in our time when we don't take sin all that seriously. Easter season may seem like an odd time to talk about sin and the consequences of sin, but let us remember, we must always be going to confession. So if you've been delaying going to confession, as you need to, then make an effort to go. Hope you found this helpful. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.